Good morning. Welcome. Good day to be together. It's good to see all of you who ran the gauntlet of the pancakes to get in here, right? You know, you had to smell them and, and walk past them. Uh, but it's a, it's a good day to be together and to worship and to uh, lift up our praise to our God. And so I'm glad that you're here, glad that I'm here. And let us enter into this time of worship. I want to invite you to stand and join me, if you would, in this call to worship. Like the disciples, we want to please God in our words and actions. Like the disciples, we want to have the right answers and be on the right side. Like the disciples, we sometimes think we know better than that our ways are better. We are the disciples of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Remain standing as we uh, sing together. Remain standing as we bow our hearts and join our voices in prayer together. God of truth, we come longing for the peace that only you can provide. We seem so often to be tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind except that of your own Holy Spirit. 
be pleased to dwell here in this day to receive our worship and our praise. Linger long and speak the truth to us in love that we may come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the full stature of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we, uh, as we come to our, our pegs moment, uh, pray, engage, and give, and, and serve, um, can't help but smell those pancakes, right? Yeah, you know, can't help but smell those pancakes, probably the sausage, uh, too. That is a fundraiser uh, for our kids to go to, to camp and uh, providing for them an opportunity to engage in camp and be a part of that camping experience this summer. I was just talking to some of the young people, and they were like, Tell me how many months it is till we go to camp. How long is it till we go to camp? So they're, they're eager to go. And so um, that's part of what that's about. But you're probably asking, why pancakes? Why pancakes and why this time of the year? Well, pancakes are part of a traditional meal that you have right before you enter into the season of Lent. A lot of times it would happen on Shrove Tuesday, which is Tuesday of this week. And you would have that pancake kind of dinner meal kind of part of cleansing the refrigerator, cleaning everything out, making the last few little cakes, and, uh, and then entering into a season where we uh, refocus on our spiritual lives uh, to grow deeper into a life with Christ. And so that's why there's pancakes, because we're getting ready to enter into the season of Lent, which begins Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And on Ash Wednesday, we will have uh, a service of the ashes and the imposition of the ashes, here at 7 o'clock Wednesday evening. That will help us launch into that uh, very holy season of this refocus of our spiritual lives. Next Sunday, our first Sunday of March, the first Sunday of, of the Advent season, we will have one unified worship service at 10 o'clock. What time did I say? 10 o'clock. You've got to make sure so that you don't miss the good stuff by coming at 10.30. Um, but 10 o'clock, we'll have a unified service around Holy Communion, one service that day, uh, and sharing together. Um, as we are part of this season of Lent. The other things that are happening during the Lenten season, there are a number of different Bible studies and small groups that have either begun or are shifting their focus for a Lenten study kind of theme. And so there are a number of different classes and things happening at different times and in different formats. Some are, are in Zoom, some are hybrid, some are in person. And so you want to check the church website or give the church office a call and all that information is there as we enter into the season of, of Lent. So Ash Wednesday, that first Sunday, uh, Bible studies. In fact, next Sunday we're going to have guests and hopefully people joining the church, and it'll be a great day. But all of that to begin our season of moving into this time of growing in our spiritual lives and kind of catching our breath with God so that we grow uh, deeper and stronger in our faith. Amen and amen. I'll tell you the reason Lisa's messed up is because for two weeks, no, but for two weeks, I've messed up and we got things out of order. Isn't that right, Michael? So for two weeks, we got out of pattern. And so now is the, now we, the choir and the music department has something wonderful to share with us. Yeah. So we'll just sing that away.
grace and favor. And right now, today, I've been changed. I've been changed. I am waiting. I'm always eager to pray, right? If you'll bow your heads with me. Father God, we gather as strangers and friends, near and far, unified in you through your spirit, searching together for new ways to live and to follow you. We are so grateful that you have granted us another day, another day to be excited to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We know we are welcomed into your presence this day by your gracious hospitality, Lord. We praise you, our extraordinary God, for the holiness of ordinary things around us. This gathering of fellow believers, a song of praise, a prayer of thanksgiving, a word, a loaf of bread, a cup, a fountain of water, Send your spirit to blow across us as we share this time together. Refresh those places that have gotten weary or weak or overwhelmed. Allow the spirit to seep into the crevices of our hearts, our minds, our souls. 
that we might know you more fully and worship you more deeply. Help us to have unity of mind and heart as we open ourselves to this movement of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as your love grows within us, may we have rich fellowship with you and with one another. Grant us today that we will lay aside our cares and our anxieties to concentrate our thoughts on you alone. Open us to the teaching and guidance for living which we receive, that we will be strengthened to walk with you and follow wherever you lead us, through Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. may be seated. This uh, story from Luke is a, a story of, a, of holy ground and uh, coming on that holy ground and it's kind of overwhelming, isn't it, to be on holy ground, to be in a holy place. Um, I served a church one time, a little tiny church, would have about 40 people on Sunday morning, but when it became the holy time to have holy communion, it got a little scary, and only about 20 would show up for communion because of the holy ground. It's a little overwhelming. You know, when we get into that power of God, it can be overwhelming. Um, 
and overwhelming is the title of the message and kind of caught me months ago, or not months, weeks ago, when we were planning out the themes for this time and this scripture and this theme took us and I said, oh, okay. But little did I know that at this time I'd need to be preaching to myself because it feels, you know, in the presence of God and the work of God, sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming. Here is a story from uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 28 of Jesus and his disciples. About uh, eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him, and they were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which would be achieved in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome with sleep, but, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter, Peter said to him, Master, Master, it's good for us to be here. We should construct three, sh- three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one, what they had seen. Amen. Amen. And as the story continues, they come down off of the mountain. They come down off of the mountain, and there are disciples there who have been continuing the work, and a boy has has been convulsed by demons, they say, and the father pleads with Jesus. Your disciples tried. They couldn't do it, but please, you can heal him. And Jesus was like, how long do I have to put up with all of these people? You know, can't they get the work done? And then Jesus heals the boy. And it says that everyone in the crowd, disciples and everyone, was overwhelmed. Struck with awe. Left speechless. Overwhelmed. Most gracious God, may we truly sense your presence, and your power. Amen. Amen. Like I mentioned, sometimes we pastors preach to ourselves, and I have to admit that right now in these days, I feel overwhelmed. Anybody there with me? Feeling overwhelmed these days? There's lots going on. There's lots happening. You know, the the whole COVID thing and the emerging out of COVID and how things have shifted and are shifting and will be shifting. They've changed our economics. They've changed our jobs. Things aren't like what we expected, right? You know, when when somebody interviews you and they, they often ask that question, you know, where do you see yourself in a year? Where do you see yourself in two years? Where do you see yourself in five years? And where we saw ourselves two or three years ago is not where we are, is it? You know, 
And so that's a bit overwhelming, and COVID has done that. It's, it's shifted how our, we do our schools and our jobs and, our, and different things and economics and all of that. And so it's overwhelming. And then you have that mixed with just life itself can be overwhelming, right? Life itself, when that family crisis arises, you know, and you have that family crisis, or the doctor comes back with the diagnosis, you know, and something like that happens, or, or the grief that comes sometimes with the loss of someone. So our families, our relationships, just doing life and illness can come along, and all of a sudden it's overwhelming. And with all of that now, we have a war in Europe that will affect us globally. I know, you're thinking, Rafe, why'd you have to bring that up? You know? Because here's the thing, now in this media and, and camera-driven culture that we live in, world that we live in, we'll see the images, we'll hear about it in all kinds of different ways, it'll be all around us, we'll, we'll see the ravages of war, and we'll hear the news, and it will have global effects, and for us, yeah, our gas prices will go up and other things will happen, but then we will see images of innocent victims and people who are involved in a deep way in what's going on globally. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. When things don't turn out the way we expected, it becomes overwhelming. This is not what we expected. The same can be true, I think, for Peter and James and John on that mountain. They went up there to pray. That was their expectation. They went up there to pray. And I bet you this is not the first time that Jesus has pulled them aside and said, hey, let's get down on our knees and pray a little bit. Let's see where God's going to lead us. I'm sure that they just thought this is prayer time. They've been walking. They've been traveling. Prayer time often falls into nap time. Anybody ever done that? Started to pray and fall asleep? You know? Yeah, I think we've all been there, right? And so that's kind of what these uh, disciples were expecting. They're expecting prayer time. And the next thing you know, there's this transformation of Jesus into this glory glowing of God's brilliance that's all around them. And it says they were overcome with awe. They were left speechless. They were overwhelmed by the presence and the power of God. So much so they didn't really know what to do. This is not what we expected. They didn't know what to do. And so they're like, oh, let's build this or let's do that. or you know. And so they don't know what to do. And they flounder around because they're overwhelmed. But as the story goes on, when they come off the mountain, they're seeing the same thing because the other disciples are down on the bottom of the mountain. And Jesus didn't say, sit here and twiddle your thumbs till we get back. He left the other disciples with carrying out the ministry. They were still doing the work. They had been sent off before, two by two, to visit towns and places where they were to share the good news and tell people about the kingdom of God and even, you know, see some miraculous things happen. And now here they are, they're doing the work, but the crowds have gotten bigger. It had gotten too much work for them. And they hit this one point where a man wanted his son healed and they were praying over that and nothing was happening and the work was overwhelming and they didn't know what to do. And Jesus comes in and says, ah, it's still going to be like this, and Jesus does the healing. But the work of ministry is challenging, and it's tough, and it's stressful. And these disciples were struggling with it. 
but there was also the crowd there that witnessed the healing, and they were overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus Christ. Overwhelmed by Jesus' presence. Life is overwhelming. But when was the last time you were overwhelmed by the presence and the power of Jesus Christ? When was the last time it left you wondering, oh, I didn't expect this, and where do I go from here? When things don't turn out like we expected, it can be overwhelming. If we look around the life of the church, things aren't like we expected. You know, five, six, even maybe even more years ago, we started putting ideas and pencil to paper and putting together the new mission building. I'm putting over there because that's where it is. You know, it's just west of here, or just north of here. Um, and uh, so we were putting together that plan, and, and we had this plan. It was going to cost us so much. It was going to have this kind of impact on our budget. We had all the money things planned. We had the building things planned, and then it started to evolve and happen. And guess what? It wasn't what we expected. A lot more came along. Good things, things that needed to be done, stuff that needed to happen, but the things that needed to happen cost money, and they went on, and, and then COVID hit and kind of put a slowdown on some things, and uh, and what we expected to use it for, what we expected the cost of it to be, what we expected the total project to be, was not what we expected. And now we're living into that. It can be overwhelming. We have a west campus. Now I'm pointing the right direction, right? I'm pointing west? Yeah, pointing in the right direction. It's almost uh, US 27, almost out there in, in that area. And we have a west campus out there. Four years ago, when we started the relationship with the community out there known as Everglades Community. We started that relationship. We started working together. We had vision. We had energy. We had ideas of what would be happening out there. And, and we, we planned. We, we, we planned and we staffed for it. And we, we planned the development of it. And we began to work with it. And then two major stumbling blocks hit. And of course, one of them was COVID. Two major stumbling blocks hit and kind of took the energy out of that. And... Um, we began using it in different ways, and like we were using this new building in ways we hadn't anticipated, and we didn't expect it. We expected something else, and it's not what came about, and, and it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And if you uh, get pancakes and happen to go into the other building uh, today, and we see it every day, you see the work of nourishing lives. Nourishing lives five, six years ago was backpacks with snacks in it for kids on the weekend. And we love doing a little bit of those things. And the need in the community and COVID and everything hit and it changed and the nature of the ministry changed and the nature of the work changed and exploded and went beyond anything we could imagine. There are partnerships in the community that it would have never have happened if we hadn't have done this. So again, all of these things are good things, but they're not what we expected. And now Nourishing Lives has facility needs and staffing needs and work needs and, and food coming in that we never, ever anticipated, didn't expect. But now we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed with all of this. You plan a budget. You plan your, your staff and your people and your people resources. You plan your facilities and your facilities resources. You put all that plan together, but then sometimes it's not what you expect. 
And when it's not what you expect, what do you do? Maybe we fumble around like Peter and say, oh, let's just do something real quick, you know, to mark the spot. But each of these stories, and each of the, whether it's the scripture or about our church, we sense the power of God at work. But it's not what we expected. We sense the power of God at work, but we've been caught off guard. I tell you, every time I have been to Cuba, I have been overwhelmed by something I didn't expect. Each time I've been there, I was overwhelmed. I was left in awe. I was left speechless by the power and the presence of God. The Christian people there have faced challenges, maybe similar to what we're challenging now, but they have faced them for decades around staffing and money and how you do ministry and how you take care of your properties and your building. See, here's the thing about the facilities of the churches in Cuba. As long as the facilities keep being used for church purposes, they can stay in the hands of the church. But once they stop being used in any way for holy purposes, it becomes the government's property. And it goes back to them. So for decades, churches had to figure out ministries and figure out how to do their worship and figure out how to do that without resources, without pastors, without leaders. And, and how do you make this happen and keep the, the buildings in use so that they're not lost to the, to the church? And it took great com committed people to do that. And so the first time I went to Cuba... And I learned some of that, that story. The first time I went, I was overwhelmed by the worship. The worship just, I mean, the power and the presence of God, the, the music, the number of people that were invested and involved, um, the, the healings that you saw, the movement of the Spirit, people receiving the, the Holy Spirit. It was just unbelievable. But I was also caught by how many people were involved in these little dramas they would do in the worship. Like if you did a drama around the story we read today, there'd be this appearance of Jesus in bright white and, you know, and shining and the lights and the music would go off. But they would play the, a story in every worship time, maybe a story of Jesus grabbing the little girl in her bed, in her deathbed, and lifting her and raising her to life. Or Jesus saying to the, uh, to the paraplytic who was lit, lifted down through the roof, pick up your mat and walk, and he'd pick up his mat and walk, and the little girl would get up. And at those moments when the light would shine or the healing would happen, the place went crazy like somebody had just scored a goal. I mean, they were the raucous and the loud and the shouting. You thought the facilities that they had worked so hard to keep were going to shake down because they were all cheering for Jesus being the victor and Jesus winning. And it was just unbelievable. I was so overwhelmed by that worship. Now, the second time I went to Cuba... I was actually in Havana as part of a, a district delegation that was visiting our sister district, the district of Havana in that area. And so we actually went to a, a district conference. And you think, oh, that, that sounds exciting, going to a, a Methodist church conference. Well, not in Cuba. It's exciting. You know, the way they do the music and the worship and everything. But then the heart of the conference was around commissioning and laying hands on and empowering an unbelievable number of lay people to do the work of leading the church in small groups and Bible studies, all these lay ministers that they were commissioning to carry out the work of the church, some out of their homes, some, you know, in, in little shacks along the side of the road, leading Bible studies, leading people to Christ. And these people without work, without income, with, with all of the difficulties that they face had given themselves to training, 
to schooling, to education, so that they could gain the, the, the resources that they needed to share the gospel with others. I was overwhelmed by the sheer number of people that were making this kind of commitment to serve. Now, the third time that I went to Cuba was with a, from our congregation. We went to visit our sister church. New Horizon has a sister church in, in Pinar del Rio, the uh, far western point of, of Cuba. And we went down to visit our sister church, and we had shared emails, and we had been praying for each other. That's the nature of our relationship, mostly, is praying for each other and lifting each other up. And so we, uh, we, we went down to Cuba, and I was just overwhelmed. I mean, I was awestruck by the depth of relationship that was exhibited from people that I'd never met. In fact, when we landed, when we landed uh, at the airport, um, we said to ourselves and said to each other, how do we know who picks us up? We've never seen them before. How do we recognize, you know, whose van to get in, you know, or, or, or where to go? And, you know, of course, God figured that out for us and, and got us with the right people. And, and we went and the overwhelming relationship that we shared with people that we had never met before, their hospitality, their generosity, their gratefulness. They would walk us around. We went outside of the pastor's house, and there's this covering kind of little patio, and he said, this is our church. And he looked up and he said, thank you. And I said, yes, thank you, Lord. He says, no, 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 I'm saying thank you to you. It's the new metal roof that you helped us put in by your gifts and your support and your prayers. You know, they had this new little tin roof over their tiny little outdoor chapel space where their church met. I was overwhelmed by those relationships and how deep those relationships are. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by life. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by the presence of God. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by the, the ministry that's around us. And sometimes we're overwhelmed. But in every one of these stories, whether it's the story of Peter, James, and John on the mountain or the stories in, in Cuba or our own experiences here in our everyday lives, there's one thing that I can say for sure is a common denominator that is consistent among every one of those stories. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. And sometimes when we're overwhelmed with things that we didn't expect, it's hard to see and sense and feel, but Jesus is there. Sometimes when we're facing some challenges for ministry, we do see Jesus there, and that's what's overwhelming. But Jesus is there. And more than that, the full glory and power of God chooses to be with you and me in Jesus Christ. God, in all God's glory, in that transfiguration on that mountain, that shining glory, that glory of God that created and made everything, that all-encompassing power of God, chooses to be with you and me in Jesus Christ. Jesus is present. And we will be left in awe and speechless. No matter how overwhelming the challenge, challenges we face, Jesus is with us. The glory of Jesus will surprise us. It will not be what we expected, but we will walk through the journey of what's overwhelming and awe-inspiring and speechless together with Jesus.
And whatever we face, Jesus will be there. No matter how overwhelming life and ministry is today, God is going to overwhelm us with God's presence and power in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Oh Lord, we, we thank you that you call to our memory and remind us of where you have been present and powerful in our journey of faith. We are grateful that we sense you now in these moments and where we live and breathe and have do our lives that we cling to that assurance that you are with us. And Lord, we pray for the courage to hold on to your promise that as we face what comes in the days ahead, that you are with us. And Lord, may we dare to pray that you are with us in a way that is awe-inspiring and leaves us speechless. Amen. Amen. Let us take some moments to respond to God's word with our singing and our sharing. Amen. Let's stand together. Be thou my vision. Go now with the assurance of the presence and the glory of God walking with you. Go now to pray and engage in ministry and to give and to serve in ways that continue the work of God, the overwhelming, all-encompassing, powerful work of the kingdom. Amen. Amen.